Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Feeling is Musical, as presented by the Snohomish County Music Project. My name is Erica Lee, and today we chat with Saul Hedison about his experiences being trans and becoming a music therapist. Originally from Indiana, Saul has lived in the Pacific Northwest for the last six years. He is finishing his post-baccalaureate in music therapy with an emphasis in psychology and completing his internship in a memory care setting. Welcome to the podcast, Saul. It's your first time here. It's a party. I love having guests on for the first time. I just like getting like new perspectives on what's what and how things are going. That's awesome. I've been listening to your podcast on people that I know and people that I don't know, just to sort of like hear what it's about. And I have also enjoyed getting a lot of different perspectives and getting to know some of the the people that you've interviewed better. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really fun. You and I met, um, at least to my memory for the first time, during what we call Hill Day in Washington, which is where we go down to the state capitol and we talk to all the legislators. And I just remember it was a really fun day. I enjoy like the advocacy part of the work, but also I just really enjoyed like being silly in between meetings. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation again. Same. The advocacy is always great, but it's not like, I wouldn't say fun in the same way. Okay, so before we jump into the bulk of the episode, question I ask everybody, how did you originally become interested in music therapy? Um, I've known about music therapy for a long, long time, but I had never really thought about myself being a music therapist up until actually about eight years ago. I had a really good friend who was uh, dying. And he spent the last five weeks in hospice. And before that, I spent a lot of time with him. And I had this sort of eye-opening experience for myself, where I was making music at that time. I, I had this idea, if I could make music that would make my friend like more relaxed or like deal with what he was going through a little bit better, how much of a positive impact that that could possibly have on his life. And it started me on this whole sort of like journey and it's gone up and down, and I've gone a few different ways. But that was really, really the impetus that sort of like brought me into really thinking about becoming a music therapist. And then fast forward several years later, I took the intro class at SPU to see if it was something that I really was interested in, just to learn more about it. And a few weeks into the class, I was like, oh, yeah, this is... This is what I've been waiting my whole life to do, I think. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And so can you tell me a little bit about like, what's your professional background before you got to music therapy? And I'm curious about how that informs, if at all, how it informs your therapeutic practice or how you think about the future as a therapist. Yes. My work now and, and before becoming uh, going to school to be a music therapist really, really informs my decision to become a music therapist for several reasons. And it really informs everything about me because I work in healthcare and I've worked in healthcare since 2004. I worked at Walgreens as a pharmacy technician for about 
11 or 12 years. I worked in Houston. Um, and I, when I moved to Seattle six years ago, I transferred to a Walgreens in Seattle. I no longer work at. Now I work at Harborview, doing the same thing as a pharmacy technician. But going back to when I first started in, in healthcare, I really like, I just got a job at Walgreens. I just needed to make money. And I got a job in the pharmacy to make more money. Like that was my whole goal was to make more money. Um, in Houston, I was working in an HIV pharmacy. It wasn't just HIV, but there was a very, very heavy HIV focus because of the area we were in. And it shifted sort of my worldview. So this was like in the mid 2000s. I had this idea of what HIV and AIDS like kind of looked like. And then I was like sort of face to face with patients and it was totally different. It was everybody. And it was like, I was being so stereotypical, but it was like, you know, my, my mind, it had a picture, but it, my mind was blown because there was every walk of life had HIV and AIDS. And I got really involved in um, sort of advocating for that community and for their medication rights. And so it was in this time that um, my friend was dying and I was working with my friend. He was a pharmacist. And I just like, I was like, I need to do something in healthcare. Like this feels right. Not necessarily being a pharmacy technician, but like being in healthcare, speaking for people who have trouble speaking for themselves or who can't speak for themselves, that felt right to me. So that is a huge part of like advocacy and the health care needs of, of others, the medical needs of others. These things are like really, really central to um who I sort of like identify, I guess, as like a human being helper sort of like person. Yeah. You know, I think I can't speak for all people who are like this, but like I, I find this to be pretty true. But like for many of us who are like want to help people, it's like so important to us. I think it comes from a place of being in a position where we were not helped and mm. we really could have used some help. And I think that like, we don't like, I feel like I don't ever want that to happen to somebody in my purview. I want them to feel that way. I know that I can't control everything, but if, if I can help in any way, I want people to know that, that help is available. Available to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So today's episode is called Being a Trans Music Therapist. Can you share with us a little bit of your story to the extent that you feel comfortable? Sure. Um, so I came out as trans when I was, I believe, 24, and I'm 41. So this was like 17 years ago. So because I'm 41, I love hearing people's like coming out stories. And I'm realizing because I'm like getting older that mine is like aged a little bit and mine is different than like people. Everybody has different stories, but mine is generationally a little bit different. And so I just want to put that into context a little bit. Um, now, my parents and I and my family like have a really great relationship. We're close. Uh, it hasn't always been that way. And so I don't want to disparage them when I might say things about them that happened in the past because they weren't as understanding. We're past that now. But it has been a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of tears and a lot of misunderstandings. I just want to say that. Mm. When I was growing up, I didn't even know like 
that one could come out as like gay or like lesbian or let alone trans or anything like that. I had no idea that that was an option. And then I went to college and I was like, oh yes, this is a real thing. And um, maybe I am a part of that real thing. So that was sort of like my first sort of coming out as a lesbian. Um, but that was like not really the whole case, you know, and it, it felt like it was supposed to be like the whole case. And so I, I had this like extra feeling of like otherness um, until I got a little bit older and I started to read, you know, like on the internet and live journal and stuff like that about people who were trans and people who like were successful. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there wasn't like a sensational piece that I was like reading. These were like real people's lives on the internet who were like leading successful lives and being trans and they had community and they had people who loved them. And it's, it opened up a possibility to me. And at the same time, I was like, you know, in hindsight, I can explain to you, but at the time, of course, I didn't know. And so I was just very, 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 very unhappy. I got through um, my undergrad degree, barely, because like, I'm done with music. I hate academia. It means nothing. Nothing means anything. And I was just like so depressed. And so then I started to like sort of hear about being trans and I sold all my stuff and I moved to Houston and I like almost immediately started to research like clinics where I could go and talk about being trans so that I could like figure out what I do about that and how I could like sort of access that part of me. I was able to start to get testosterone and therapy. I got a job. I stayed at that job. It became important to me because I became important to me. I was starting to like, you know, have these things happen that had never happened to me since I had kind of gone through adolescence. Mm. I remember at that time having to sort of like verbalize that being like, no, this is, this has been a game changer in my life. This is, this is, I wouldn't be alive. You know, it would have, I was going down a, a very self-destructive path. It just, so that informs everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think so much about people are kind of like icebergs and like you can only like see like the very like tip and there's this huge like the rest of it like 93% of it underneath the surface that is way more important and I feel like like my own story revealed that about myself to me and so I attempt to see that in everyone whatever whatever their surface is there is so much more that you don't know it may not be that they're trans but everybody has things you know what I mean yeah they're way more than their symptoms or like whatever it is that like they present from the outside there's just so much more I know that myself because I've lived it and so it informs sort of like how I interact with the world and what I expect of people yeah I've definitely heard the iceberg analogy before and I'm curious because I know you're doing your internship right now in memory care mm -hmm. with Kaylee. And we've had Kaylee on um, last summer. She's great. Um, yes, she's awesome. Yeah. And also in another episode we did with our music therapist V on staff, it was called Being a Queer Music Therapist. They were talking about lineage in the queer mm -hmm. community. And um, just because you're older than us, mm -hmm. there's a 
about 10 or 12 years difference in age. And then also because you work with the older end of the lifespan, I'm just curious about like, what are your thoughts on like, we've talked about on the podcast, how the queer, queer being like the umbrella term for the whole community. Um, I think that's a great concept. Yeah. That can get erased. There's a lot of erasure that can happen in memory care settings. Oh man. Yeah. Um, because they start being really pathologized by age and by diagnoses. Yeah. How do you I mean, maybe like navigate that or like, what is that like? So that's a really great question. Um, the question about like sort of the importance and the identity of people who are sort of in memory care of like their own queer identities, if, if that's like there. Um, and my own, like, in, which are like sort of two separate things. But then, then of course, there's like the the interaction of like those identities. Um, so first, I want to say, I've talked to Kaylee a little bit about this in supervision. And I've also talked to V, because I was, uh, because I was really interested to sort of like find what both of their um, thoughts were, and sort of like guidance for me, because I've never I've never been an intern in any other way, shape or form. So I've never really, I've never had to navigate this space before. I'm only like two months in. So I will have more autonomy as it sort of goes, but because I'm like kind of still in the beginning and these were conversations that I had at the beginning, my mindset is very much because I am older and I am male and my bosses and my supervisors are female and younger than me. I want to be um, like a hundred percent on point with my respect and not like overstepping my bounds. And I don't want to do something like, um, in a way that certain cis guys have made it challenging. It sounds like, and let me know if I am not understanding properly or accurately that what you're saying is that you're aware of the privilege you hold and that if your colleagues are any gender that's oppressed, then you are wanting to consistently assess so that you are not as much as reasonably possible accidentally um, contributing to that gender oppression. Is that accurate? That is exactly what I, I am trying to say. All of that to just talk about identities. So I went to Kaylee, I've gone to Kaylee and be, you know, Kaylee said, if you think it's appropriate and you think that it's um, something that you want to do, you feel free to, to come out, you know, as trans to whomever you want, staff, residents, I am here and we are here to support you. Mm. Whatever that, you know, may look like whatever you may need. She gets that it can be dangerous, you know, to disclose somebody and that person doesn't know. That can be pretty dangerous. Um, so I, I took that information and then I talked to V. I had some thoughts and I was like, you know, in not every memory care facility is the same. And this care facility that we're at is pretty high acuity. High acuity means that they need more support. Oh, okay. Instead, they need less support, basically. So they're higher acuity at this particular ages than at a lot of other places. And so 
I had the thought that it was possible that if I came out as trans, I might have to like not only sort of define what that is, but I would have to, to also do that sort of over and over again, and sometimes in the same sentence. And so I had a conversation with V where I said, is it possible if I were to do that, I would just be re-traumatizing myself? And V said, absolutely. I mean, not everybody, obviously, everybody's like different, but yeah, absolutely. That's a huge thing you could be doing. And, and at that point, for whom would you be like coming out for? Is it for you? Is it for, you know, and so I had like all of these thoughts. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at at this moment, where I'm at, but there are, there, there is at least one person there with um, a queer identity, one of the residents, pardon me. And, um, and I have been sort of like listening to things that the V has said about queering and um, sort of how to make things more accessible. And this has been like a challenge that I've sort of given myself in my head. Like sure. how, how can we make queer like more accessible sort of for, for uh, these people, some of whom are not really pro-queer to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is some of that. There's social cultural stuff from their generation, from where they grew up, that is part of their lived experience and that impacts their worldview and et cetera. I do want to pause just really briefly because you mentioned the word queering. And if there's anybody listening that is confused about what is queering or what we mean, I really encourage you to go back. We did a whole episode about this in June of 2020. And it's literally called Queering. Like that's the title of the episode. That might help your understanding. You're welcome to pause this episode and go back or just continue listening and then go back and listen. But that resource is available to you. Sorry. So anyways, keep going. No, no, no. That's, that's perfect because I had never heard the, the term queering. I, I don't think before I listened to that episode. So <laughs> which, which for me was like maybe a month ago at, at the most. So now I'm using it like I'm, I'm all that. I don't have solutions yet, but I've given myself a challenge to sort of like figure out um, ways to support his identity. Uh, this is, as you know, this generation, this is, like you said, there is a whole socio-cultural sort of realm that defines all of us, but especially certain people when they get into advanced stages of dementia, that is a part of the personality that's stuck. You know, we don't get to choose what sticks, you know, unfortunately, in our identities, the older we get, you know, they, they sort of become a part of us. But anyway, I have some ideas that I, I would I really like to run by, like Kaylee and the team like maybe doing something for Pride Week, you know, just sort of bringing, putting rainbows on things. You know what I mean? Like during coronavirus at this time, we don't use a lot of different instruments, but, you know, putting rainbows on, those are not like the solutions, but like I'm, I'm constantly trying to like sort of come up with ways to support them and myself and everybody else, you know, who's there, who's queer that I don't know, you know. 
Yeah. I want to give them a space to be who, who they are, whoever that is, you know? Mm, absolutely. We are coming to the end of our time for today. It's been such a good conversation. So in wrapping up, what have you learned in your process that you want to offer to others? This is what I've learned in my process of coming out of the closet and of like coming into sort of a process of like music therapy is that your heart knows what it wants to do. It knows it. It might be covered with layers of junk on top of it that's distracting you and making you do other things, but your heart knows. And the quicker you can access what your heart is telling you and really believe it, the quicker you can get on with your life and be happy. Mm. It's taken me a really, really long time to figure that out. And I promise if you do what you think is right, always, you'll never have trouble sleeping because of that. <laughs> there might be other reasons, right. but that's yeah, not one of them. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Saul. I so appreciate your time. If you'd like to know more about the music project, please visit our website at S as in Sam, C as in Cat, musicproject.org. On our website, you can also find transcripts for every podcast episode. We encourage you to connect with us on social media. Never miss notifications for new episodes and other projects. Thanks again to Saul for being here today. Thank you listeners for listening and we will talk to you next time.